What up, people? This is Noble Ackerson, and this is the Lost Explorer podcast. Uh, this is a series of discussions with industry experts, glass explorers, uh, um, you know, technology enthusiasts. Uh, basically, the whole idea came from the very strong community that Google Glass had. Uh, it sort of defined what uh, impassioned technology enthusiasts could look like when mobilized. Uh, and so obviously Glass is no longer around and I wanna make a podcast that sort of reaches out to them. And I also wanna sort of tap industry experts that may have a word or two about a specific subject. So I decided why not cover topics that I'm super passionate about. And if you've ever heard a talk I've ever given, seen a presentation or a blog post or seen my social media traffic, you probably can guess the topics that I care about. That's uh, automotive technology, wearable technology, IoT, connected fitness, entrepreneurship. No surprise there. Uh, today, uh, I'm very honored to introduce uh, a very good friend of mine, Julian Blinn, who uh, is a former Samsung employee, currently works at Google, advises some very interesting startups, someone that I personally turn to whenever you know, I, I just want to sort of dive into the mind of someone who sort of lives and breathes, you know, emerging technology. So, without further ado, Mr. Julian Blint, thank you and welcome for uh, welcome to join, welcome for joining this uh, program. Well, thank you and thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So, Julian, today we're going to talk about uh, the future of connected fitness. Um, over the last couple years companies like Fitbit, Jawbone, uh, sort of defined what, you know, a human could see when, you know, strapped with sensors or an array of sensors to probably measure what we do on a daily basis and sort of maximize our performance uh, for, you know, professionals or even uh, motivate uh, those of us who are beginners uh, to, you know, live healthy lives. The concept of you know, uh, foot tracker, step tracker is not new. It's been around for, for eons, but it was only until uh, we could actually get uh, very, very cheap, cheaply built sensors and, you know, internet connection and, and Bluetooth connection to our phones that we started seeing a rise uh, in some of this stuff. So today uh, I'm gonna sort of open the floor and, and ask you a series of questions. We're gonna try to keep it tight. Yep. Uh, around around the, the thoughts. So thank you. So uh, first, before we get started, like I do with every person that I interview, were you a Google Glass Explorer? Actually, I was not. Uh, oh. I've been very following very closely what Google has been doing. You know, I'm part of Google now, but uh, no, so I have not. But you know, I I tried them on before, and and by the way, I think that even though you might argue that Google Glass was not a, ter a big success. I think people should give uh, a lot of credit for Google for really uh, reviving the wearable tech industry, right? Because that was that was kind of an old technology, right? Existed maybe 30 years ago, and after that, everything changed, right? Samsung came into it, a lot of very large companies, right? So, right. yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, it was almost just like the the VR and the AR space as well, which we'll tap into later. Um, yeah. Not only did they, you know inject an infusion of excitement in the wearable space, they also revived 
um, an AR artificial, I'm sorry, yeah. uh, uh, augmented reality right. space that you know had been laying kind of dormant for, mm -hmm. for 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 years, and even a VR. You can even say they were responsible for the VR uh, resurgence. Yeah. So uh, my first question to you, um, since you have a lot of AR and VR experiences, what your thoughts are uh, for AR and VR as far as fitness is concerned? What has happened? What have you seen happen uh, in the past? What are the trends? And where do you see it going in the future? Well, I think uh, when it comes to sports AR and, and VR, for example, even AR, I mean, if you take uh, things like HoloLens, right? So HoloLens. Uh, there's a lot of interest, I think, from a couple of sports teams to use a device like HoloLens so that the coaching staff can get uh, information about their players right from the side end of the field. Uh, there's a lot of uh, NFL teams have been using um, VR devices to, uh, to train some of their quarterbacks or even players, right? There's right. even companies, right, that are using VR devices to diagnose someone with concussions. Wow. So, uh, or even do uh, virtual coaching. You know, uh, there's a company that came up with a VR application to coach the quarterbacks. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of interest, I think, from sports teams and team owners. And I think moving forward, if you take the case of AR, for example, I could see a scenario where uh, you would see a combination between AR and then biosensors, right? So put some biosensors, like a, a smart patch, on a player, an NFL player on the field that can track dehydration, where uh, and on the sideline you could see the coach wearing an AR device and then get a notification saying, "Hey, player number ten is getting dehydrated. Take him out of the field." Uh, so I think the technology is there today. It's just a matter of putting everything together. And there's also connectivity issues, right? Because when you do that on the field, uh, the high speed, you know, when it's impacts and hits. It gets complicated, but I think everything, all the right pieces are there today so that this scenario is going to happen in the future. And there's a lot of interest for that kind of scenario based on my discussion with some uh, sports teams. And that's, that's, that's absolutely right. It's almost as if the concepts and you know, where startups want to go is almost outperforming the hardware capabilities out there today. Um, yeah. And so, you know, a lot of startups are super early, but you know you want to be early. And yeah. speaking of which, uh, in this space, which connected fitness startups can you talk about uh, that impress you that are doing some of the things that you just mentioned? Uh, I mean, there's one company called Kenzen. They have a connected patch that can measure hydration, electrolyte, lactic acid. That's what I call the next generation of Fitbit, Jawbone, something that's way more sophisticated because of the biosensors and the algorithm that they're using. Uh, it's also very difficult to build, as you can imagine, right? Right. Uh, so it takes more time to get it right. Uh, I like those guys, and they work with a lot of pro teams. There's also another company called Hado Neuroscience. They build uh, almost like a beat headset that would send some kind of electricity into your brain, and it would help you bring mu uh, muscle memory back. So there's a lot of the, the Warriors have been using it. The Cavs have been using it. Uh, it's, a, it's a startup here in the Bay Area backed by Anderson, and uh, they're getting a lot of traction. Uh, another one called Neuron. So Neuron is a small startup. Uh, they have, a, a, I guess you can say, a connected mask that can help beat um, uh, jet lag. So as you can imagine, a lot of pro teams are traveling all the time. They're on the plane. They get tired. They get jet lag, right? So with this technology, actually used by the Warriors and other teams, uh, they can help uh, pro players with, who have uh, sleep issues, right? And there's actually quite a few of them.
we do. So these are some of the startups that I think are interesting in the fitness startup world, and there's many, many more, right. as you know. Yeah. All right. So almost as if, you know, when Glass first came out, there was, you know, uh, there weren't that many use cases that were compelling enough to get more Glass explorers during that that whole period. However, from that, you know, inception now comes, you know, the opportunities by a lot of leading a lot of leading companies uh, out there and a lot of leading associations out there that are using AR, VR sensors, uh, biosensors specifically, you just mentioned in a way that gives yeah. them a competitive edge. Now you mentioned the Warriors and the Cavs, yeah. and guess what? Those are the two uh, two pro teams yeah. in the NBA Finals. So that's sort of, I'm pretty sure that's almost like a catalyst for other teams to start taking note and setting aside you know, millions of dollars. And they're not the only one. They're yeah. definitely not the only one. As many other teams, not just in the NBA, but NFL, NHL, MLS, and right, right. Uh, yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so you shared one of the the news articles that uh, is centered around this interview today um, is about a uh, um, an article you shared on social media uh, that uh, showed a statistic, and and that article is in the show notes, by the way. Um, about how general purpose smartwatch strategy is being forced down upon users and it doesn't really work for consumers. And it doesn't work, uh, based on the article, it doesn't work because the performance of the hardware isn't quite ready. Um, they, they claim that, people claim that they, you know, all they want in a hardware, in a, in a wearable is something that, you know, has a longer battery life than is available today. Yeah. That that isn't that is standalone. That that can um, you know can do more. There's a lot of lot more features than is available today. So it's as if you know if and the reason why Fitbits are leading the charge is because they're single purpose and they they sort of check a lot of those boxes. They're, they they yeah. you know, they last longer and all that stuff. What do you think about? What are your thoughts about that whole article, that, that whole concept? I think it's spot on. I mean, if you look at uh, the, the issue with smartwatches, one is, um, the, I mean, it, other than being a great notification device, you know, the, the sensors that they're using today, it's mostly to measure things like heart rate or sleep quality. But I think once you start adding biosensors to measure things like hydration and even blood pressure, and with some true insights, you know, with some really good algorithms, that's going to be that's going to make people more interested in using those devices, right? right, right. Uh, and so I, I remember before Apple launched the Apple Watch, there was an article quoting saying that Kobe Bryant actually had a special version of the Apple Watch to measure hydration. Yep. And it never came out. So because I, it's quite complex to do, but I think that's something that they might do in the future, and they should. Yeah. There are there are also some federal regulations that where. You know, obviously, Apple is not going to try to treat a symptom, uh, yeah. but you know, they're definitely you know, you know, you can you can actually claim to save lives um, yeah. if someone is underhydrated and, and and you're able to sort of detect that, and that's why Kenzen. I believe you you advise for Kenzen as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, I'm involved with them, and we just started doing big pilots with NFL teams and and so on, and uh, so yeah, I think it's definitely the kind of features like hydration that would be very valuable. And also you mentioned uh, a standalone device, right? So right. battery life is a big deal. You know, whenever I talk to smartwatch companies, that they, they say, look, if you know of any companies who can solve the battery life issue, I'm 100% <laughs> in. 
so but it's not easy right and and in addition um people don't like the fact that it's it's you have to rely on your smartphone right right uh, and there's a lot of carriers and they already started uh to offer 3g or 4g based smart watches which actually is going to dr drain even more on the battery right. uh and they're, they're not going to they're going to be more expensive but that's uh something that i think would be more appealing to people assuming that they have the connectivity they have the right biosensors the right appealing features uh and that might be something that uh that could maybe take off but you know uh we will see right so if you looked across the various industries so we've talked about professional sports uh, yeah. we talked about you know consumer grade health and fitness uh, we haven't really touched on enterprise and corporate wellness which industries are leading when it when you think connected fitness uh, so, for example, there's a company called uh, Exos. Uh, I don't know if you heard of them, but Exos, they work with 400 corporate clients, anywhere from Google, Intel, Tesla, and they manage all the gyms for all those big companies. And, and from a startup perspective, a wearable tech startup, you know, to work with companies like that, we have access to, you know, those, those corporate clients, we, they can monetize it, right? Much more easy, uh, easier than, than uh, going after the consumer. Right. Uh, we require, you know, Salesforce and all of that stuff. So I think it's a great channel. Corporate wellness, in my opinion, is a great channel. Also, enterprise, right? I mean, you work for a company in the enterprise space. I think there's a lot of deployment happening, you know, in the case of AR, and uh, because you can solve real problems, right? right? Whether it's aerospace manufacturing, mining. I mean, there's a lot of, um, and there's money for it, right? Those companies, they have the, the budget and the capabilities. Uh, and they have the appetite for it, right? Absolutely, so, absolutely. Safety, I guess that can sort of, not so much fitness, but definitely health. Yeah. Uh, being able to track uh, the wellness of you know your workers uh, yeah. during the course. You could think, and, and normally when I, I tell people this, you know, the first go-to that people think about is, you know, a worker in an office building, you know, within an air conditioning space, but you forget, you know, BP uh, or, you know, um, Verizon, they have workers out on poles, out on oil derricks, yeah. uh, looking at, you know, out in the middle of the summer, in the middle of the ocean. Uh, and, you know, a real, uh, you know, a leading enterprise out there that uh, is looking to, you know, look out for their workers. Yeah. It's no different from an NFL team trying to make sure that, uh, you know, company, you know, you know, athletes don't get concussed. You're so, right. so, so that's something that I always like to sort of, you know, and and, there, and, there are, and I know some companies, you know, talking to big corporations like even mining companies to me, to measure the body temperature of the workers, right? Right. Or before they had dehydrated and so yeah. So it's absolutely it makes sense, right? Right, right. All right. So next question. Uh, obviously, a lot of this stuff uh, that we're talking about requires sensors, right? Um, yeah. And you know, when we talk about being able to track, you know, hydration and all that stuff, what, where do you see sensors going? Like, where do you see sensors helping in sports and health? Yeah, so, as you know, one of the big issues with the current sensors to measure the heart rate, HRV, it requires direct contact to the skin. Right. And which means that, you, you know, the reason why you have to wear a compression shirt for, for a smart t-shirt is because you need to get the sensor on your skin. So I, I, I could see a future where you could see the emergence of those sensors who don't require 
direct contact to the skin to measure things like, you know, a heart rate, uh, HRV, which is an indication of stress, and even stuff like blood pressure. And you could imagine putting those sensors almost anywhere. I mean, on piece of regular piece of clothing, on uh, even watches. I mean, um, and also new kind of sensors, right? I mean, you mentioned hydration, right? Or electrolyte, lactic acid. That's something that the the pro teams uh, they're very interested in using, because they can that can help them to cut injuries, uh, to prevent heat stroke, uh, improve recovery time. So I think you're going to see a, the next generation of sensors that are going to be more advanced, uh, contactless, so no contact to the skin, and they can really give some uh, much better insights, better beyond the heart rate or you know stuff like that. So. That's great. So overall, if you were to, um, you know, sort of take a look at the wearables and the connected fitness space, yeah, what technologies, like out of everything that we've talked about today, are you looking forward to? That I'm looking personally, or per per personal, personally, and even or you know, looking for like that you're really excited about. I mean, going back to the, I think the the, the next generation of biosensors. I think that's uh, going to be a groundbreaking when you start measuring things like blood pressure, right? Because that's an indication if the guy is re is fully rested or not. Uh, I think there's a lot of. I would love to see a technology that can help improve the battery life. Um, uh, yeah, which is an issue for many wearables. I would love to see, um, you know, a next generation of of GPS tracking devices. Uh, because you know, right now it's it's kind of an old technology. It is, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't actually built purposefully for no. wearables, right? Yeah. And and to be honest, uh, I worked with uh, I I spoke to the guys at Adidas. They launched a a smart uh, a, a smart band uh, publicly, and it didn't even have yeah uh, a GPS sensor. And I asked them why, and they go, yeah. you know. Most of the people who want to use this want to maximize their battery life. They don't like, you know, as you just said, you know, the more sensors you have, given yeah. that those sensors are sort of purposely built for mobile and not for wearables, uh, you're, you know, you're just basically having to optimize uh, and and making some cuts and and, and some sacrifices to, to to maximize them. And that's exactly yeah. what the guys at Adidas were talking about. They were just they built something and targeted it towards people who run in the city. So someone in New York City is running through, you know, alleys and, and, you know, Broadway, they don't really get access. And it's kind of hard to imagine if you think about it, like, you know, very dense cities don't yeah. get that much access to skylight. <laughs> and yeah, so no, you're you right. get access to skylight. There's no need for inaccurate GPS readings. And so mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. That's one technology that I put up there. And also, well. and also maybe uh, connected contact lenses, right? Oh, right. I, yeah. I, I was involved with a startup that built, I mean, was in the process of building connected lenses where you can do Google Glass, literally, on, on the lens. Right. Um, but there's, you know, there's a lot of issues to do that. Yeah. It's quite complex, right? So uh, There are a bunch of academic products, pro projects that are well-funded right now trying to solve that problem. So hopefully that comes out of the research. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and also concussions, right? So, yeah. as you know, the NFL is under a lot of heat for, you know, preventing concussions, which have been up, I think, over 50% year over year in the NFL. Uh, and actually 80% of those concussions, 80% of the hits are not detected. So there's a lot more. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of companies, you know, who build some devices, 
we can measure some level of concussions, but I think that's that's really needed. And I'm looking forward to see a technology that that's fully reliable, useful, and easy to put on a on a helmet or a band, and that can provide good data and actionable insights. And uh, so I think that you know that's one of the areas where we haven't quite seen the right technology yet. But, that's perfect. Yeah. Well, we'll end there. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show. Everyone, we have just sort of just scratched the surface uh, when we talk what wearables, sensors, uh, and biometrics can do uh, in the field of connected fitness and connected health. Uh, we haven't even seen what is possible yet. As we've seen today, and thanks for Julian for, for sort of imparting some of his experience in this space, there are a lot. There are lots going on. The technology is here. Um, you wonder sometimes why uh, a company like Under Armour or Adidas or Nike uh, or even some of the mobile OEMs are investing so much in smart fabrics and in you know you know better battery technology. You, know, you wonder why every university that is credible has you know funded. Uh, uh, research projects in this space as well. And that's just sort of a, um, a lens to, to, to let us all know uh, that there's a technology trigger that has already happened. Uh, and, and we're sort of riding the Gardner hype cycle, as, as they say, uh, towards the, 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 the max hype point for us consumers to try to decide whether we want it or not. Uh, but I'm pretty sure uh, we're going to see a lot more of this. Julian, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Uh, I really appreciate you spending it with us. I would love for you to join on another show. We have, again, discussions about automotive tech, wearable tech, IoT, uh, and entrepreneurship as well. So if you want right. to join yeah, us for to. one of those, uh, please. Uh, love to do it. Absolutely. All right. This is this has been an interview with Julian Blinn. Uh, and Julian uh, works at Google uh, right now, formerly worked at Samsung, amongst other impressive companies. You can actually find him uh, on tw on Facebook at blinn.julian, so facebook.com slash blinn.julian. I'll include that link in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, look forward to seeing you in the next episode.